Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, the bearded legend, the daddy-o, the one and only, for the last time this season, Mr. Paul Lee. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 184. It's been a couple of weeks since we, uh, since we produced episode 183 and recounted our day at Wembley, and as the season is over, it's now time to take a look back at the 2018-19 season, and we're not alone for this episode. Oh no, we have a stellar lineup with us uh, for this week. Uh, they don't need a big introduction, as they're so well known to us, but making his Orient Outlook podcast debut, the voice of commentary, uh, Dave Victor. Welcome, Dave. Thank you very much. Um, joining us also, former CEO and current director, Matt Porter. Welcome back. And for the first t- and first team coach, making his second appearance of the season, Danny Webb. Welcome, welcome back. You obviously weren't perturbed the first time. Welcome to you all. Thank you for giving up your Sunday evening uh, to join us. Uh, So this is going to be a recount of the past season. Good, bad and indifferent. But as always, we're going to start with the Leighton Orient Trust. Yeah, so as was half-term this week, the Trust organised a Premier League Kicks tournament for 130 young people. And in total, 13 teams took part. And the winners were the Trust's College Study Programme team. In addition to this, it was the Vitality Westminster Mile on Saturday and the Trust had 27 pupils from Snaresbury Primary School representing them. It was organised as part of the Premier League Super Movers programme and in total over 400 pupils took part representing London United Community Trusts including Brentford, West Ham, Charlton and the O's and that finishes the Trust updates this season. Yep, so thank you very much indeed to Louise uh, at the Trust and also to Howard for providing us with those uh, weekly updates and we now have a message, uh, the first of many we may hasten to add uh, this evening uh, from uh, the Late Orient uh, Trust, Howard Gould. Here's what he had to say. Hi guys, it's uh, Howard here, li- Liaison Officer at Late Orient. Uh, firstly, uh, let me say congratulations on another great season of um, podcasts. Uh, perfect for my long car journeys and especially uh, really enjoyable when you have the guests um, and the insight from behind the scenes at the club and stuff. Anyway, I know I've, uh, I've been known to Babylon, so here's a briefish thoughts of the season from me. Um, going up into the season, I was always confident of a top seven finish looking at the league. Um, in fact, on the chances, I think in the first three games, we should have actually won them all. But it was a fantastic start and Sutton did a job in us. Uh, whilst we weren't um, wonderful on the day to, to uh, end that unbeaten run. And the FA Cup defeat, obviously, at Maidstone was, was disappointing. But as it seemed all season, we would always respond um, to situations like that, um, not losing two games in a row. And then, obviously, the eight wins in a row uh, in March time was absolutely phenomenal. Um, the few hiccups we had along the way were always mirrored by the rest in the league. So... It was all about, I think, who would keep up their nerve. And I'll always remember Joby telling me around Christmas time when we had a, a little tiny blip that um, he'd come back to prove a point to the fans and uh, that he'd come back also to win the league. And I believed him. Uh, he's, he's so respected in the dressing room and his passion is evident, it's infectious. Um, and while I'm here, I need to take the opportunity to thank him and, and all the players for their for their work in the community uh, I know you guys keep track of the community news on Twitter, Facebook from myself and the club and the trust uh, so thanks again for the regular shout outs um, and obviously we all appreciate the fantastic efforts uh, from the players 
Um, the appearances they, they make really do mean so much to all those around the community. Um, I'm obviously not forgetting the guys who have moved on uh, with those huge personalities on off the field. Um, and I'd like to thank George Ellacobi for that, who was always immense for me. Um, being Orient, nothing is quite as simple as it, as it could be. Um, and obviously the end of the season is really tight, but in any other league, you'd love the last day scenarios. Um, and, and so to be part of one of those and then ultimately to be the champions and take the headlines was obviously emotional to take the, uh, to say the least. Um, uh, the, the first season was a novelty, uh, a huge learning curve and um, for me to get out as champions in the second season was not only fantastic but a welcome relief. Uh, and now as Kent uh, has said, the turnaround is complete and we, we need to look forward. Uh, the new fixtures released, released can't come soon enough for me. Uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to work for the club and I can't wait to get stuck into the new season. So um, once again, guys, thanks for all the help with, your, with, your post, uh, with the shout-outs uh, uh, and we look forward to the podcast ahead for next year uh, in League Two. Take care, lads. I hope to see you uh, in the pre-season. Cheers, then. So that was later on, Community Trust Officer Howard Gould. And again, a massive thank you to Howard, Louise, Neil, all the trust on another superb season of work in the community. And Howard's obviously made points that we're going to come on to uh, with all our guests a bit later on in the podcast. Absolutely. So moving on then, uh, just a little bit of uh, AOB for you uh, in this show. Young photographer Barley Nemo has been busy at the O's and is producing a photography book documenting the highs and lows of late Orient's 2018-19 season, ending in promotion back to the Football League. But before the book can be produced, uh, Barley needs help via his Kickstarter page, which can be found by searching O Ori Ori or On. I don't know if I've said that right, but it's www.ori.org. Ah, okay, fine. Slight tie by there. So it's kickstarter.com forward slash projects o hyphen ori hyphen ori forward slash yeah just search kickstarter basically for o ori ori uh, or you can just contact at barley nemo he is on twitter uh, as well uh, and also on instagram so good luck with that barley uh, we look forward to seeing that so moving on into the season that was which is why we're all here so before we start talking about the season then i guess the perfect place to start is pre-season expectations so obviously Going into the season, not much movement in the transfer market. I think it was only Dale Gorman and James Allaby who came in. Some fans were quite happy with that, some not so happy. Yeah. I think on the podcast before the season started, Paul said champions, no doubt, was very confident. I said playoffs. What were the feelings amongst, amongst you guys in here? Uh, <clears throat> I think that uh, how we finished last season was, was a, big, a big thing towards that. I think the gaffer was very... Uh, very confident as we all were how we finished the season the change he, did, he made since he, since he came in as uh, manager the turnaround and results performances I think it was almost a shame the season finished when it did so I think if you want that sort of momentum just go adding loads of bodies for the sake of it and maybe upsetting the apple cart I think he made his stand by maybe you know Jovi was Sunday captain done a few things like statements uh, and it sort of Set the tone how he wanted to do things, and I think over the summer, I think all of us probably couldn't get really, couldn't get pre-season going quick enough. When you have a bad finish in the season, you sort of filter off to mid-table. Sometimes you just want the break to keep going, but when you finish so well, you couldn't wait for the start of pre-season. And as soon as the first day came, you saw that group together. It's a bit sort of cheesy, but you sort of knew there was something special going to 
going to hopefully happen mm. and uh, it's turned out that way. Well, it's certainly hopeful of the uh, playoffs and uh, also of a top three finish. Um, but after that, you know, the championship went down to the last match. And again, that's probably what you'd expect with the National League. It was an open uh, National League. The two sides that got promotion, both Arrogate and uh, Salford City, had invested uh, during the summer. I thought that maybe Hartlepool would be stronger than they were. But I thought it would be a competitive league and that's how it turned out. Yeah, I mean, I think you would probably be hard pushed to find somebody who didn't think we were going to be in the top seven without any level of arrogance, just purely on the way we'd finish the second half of the season, as Danny said, and, and the, the size of the club and what we knew was within the, um, you know, within the capabilities of the squad. So there wasn't really need to make huge transfer changes in the summer. And if anything, that could have had a negative effect because it could have undone some of the good work that had happened since Justin came in the previous November. So... You know, what, people get really excited about transfers, and of course, it's obvious why. But continuity can be exciting as well, and that might be the most boring <laughs> thing anyone's ever said. But it, but it actually can be because you can build up momentum, and you can build up, um, you can start to put pathways in place, and you can build up mini targets over sort of six game periods and things like that. And, and you know, and that was what what you know what I think we managed to do so well. Yeah, and it was similar to what happened with Russell Slade because it was an excellent finish uh, that he had before that. Uh, really fantastic a season went on to the uh, Wembley of course and that was built on continuity and, and, a, and a very good end to the previous yeah. campaign and, and the importance of having a full pre-season altogether as well uh, you know again it's not something that's ever going to attract any sort of sexy headline amongst fans but pre-season is so important you know for, to have six weeks together whether you'll know best of all of us six weeks together as a group is, is priceless yeah it is and I think <coughs> it was the first time in, in God knows how long that we had a proper stable board, we had a stable management team, stable players, the fans like knew at the club, etc, etc. So mm. there was no, I wouldn't say excuses, but there's no one going, well that's that. It was all positive. It was all positive from, from, from the inside out. Uh, and as Matt said, those six weeks we just got more and more positive because all, all everyone had to worry about was the football. There was no yeah, politics. Yeah. We all trusted everyone above us for once. So it's nice <laughs> that we had that and then we can just go and do our stuff and the pressure was on us to perform because we had no excuses. We had everything going for us. So Luckily, it went all right. <laughs> what I wasn't expecting was the 4,000 season tickets and the mm. amount of support. I thought 4,000 was incredibly ambitious yeah. uh, and the support throughout the whole season. Um, I've never known anything like it in many, many years of going out. We haven't, we, yeah, we haven't had that when we were no, in we, we had pushing. We, yeah, I mean, obviously, well, we had 3,000... Just under three and a half thousand, sort of mm -hmm. over three three. It was I can't remember the exact number. Somewhere between three three and three five when we were, you know, top of League One, so to speak. Um, look, it's more affordable in the National League, but I don't think it was a price based decision. I think people were seeing that Lake Norrie was a club that was reconnecting with its community, reconnecting with its fan yeah. base, and possibly on the verge of starting to do something special. So people were buying into that concept, um, you know, and the and the fact that it was affordable, you know, incentivised people who would maybe otherwise pick six, eight, ten games a year to go and pay on the day to make that extra commitment to buy a season ticket, which is exactly as a club what you aim to achieve. So yeah. I think, you know, all credit to, to Danny and his team for, for, um, for selling that dream and selling it so successfully. Details are important, and uh, Danny's already alluded to how important it was to get everything right, both on and off the pitch. And talking about the pitch, it was a real problem the season before last, wasn't it? Um, and the work that uh, happened with Colin James, and throughout the season, the pitch held up so well, and that was important to the players, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think if you remember the last few 
month or the last week, few weeks of the season, for, yeah. the season before. It was, it was terrible. The West Sands. The weather didn't help. And that, yeah. You know, ground staff were working their socks off. It just wouldn't. It just wouldn't turn around for us. Uh, yeah. But no, this year has been different class. It's like a carpet, isn't it? Calling in the sidekick, working their socks off. And yeah. uh, no, it's been a carpet this year. So many thanks to them. Yeah. So, even when we kind of might have gone on the pitch um, at Braintree, you know, we're walking on it. That's the last game of the season, and it did. It felt very different. I remember it feeling very different to how it felt walking on it before, because obviously we don't go on it ever. So. Mm-hmm. You really, you really do notice it, so I think it's a, a really good shout. So pre-season was done, obviously everyone was feeling confident, but before a ball was kicked, we'll uh, come on to a man who's very busy in pre-season, our chief scout, Steve Foster, and here's what Steve Foster had to say about this season. Hi there, Paul and Steve. Chief scout, Steve Foster here. Just wanted to say thank you to yourselves, uh, supporters and fellow listeners of the podcast. Uh, thank you for all your support this season. I think it's been uh, an amazing effort in the way that you've uh, supported us in numbers, uh, away grounds up and down the country, at the Brad Group Stadium, and also two weeks ago at Wembley to see that many people uh, in the end behind the goal uh, cheering us on uh, really was special to see. Um, the season, of course, has been very, very pleasing. Uh, I was confident myself that we would always be in the top four uh, such, I, such is the belief that I had in the squad of players that we've got um, as the season went on uh, that confidence quietly become more apparent that we may get the top spots uh, but for me uh, when I had the like, when I knew that we had a real real good chance was uh, at the fold game at home when we won two nil. Uh, I don't get so many games myself because I'm normally uh, at other grounds watching players or uh, watching opposition. So to see the way that we started uh, with that intensity, get the early goals, and also the way we defended and keeping in keeping their threatening players like Danny Rowe and Nick Houghton quiet uh, was really pleasing for me to see. And in my two seasons at the club, that was probably the most complete performance that I've seen personally myself. Um, other highlights of the season for me probably have been when I've been away at other grounds uh, watching games. Um, I was at Harrogate when uh, Macaulay Bond scored the, um, the last-minute penalty at Sutton United uh, to get the uh, winner. And I think I screamed the whole of the stand down and uh, I think I looked a little bit of an idiot. Actually, everyone was looking at me because I was uh, screaming through my head, like with my headphones on listening to Dave Victor. And, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a... I was getting some strange looks, especially there was nothing happening in the game at Harrogate. Um, <laughs> So that was a pleasing. That was one of the highlights for me, and also the last game day of the season. I think uh, the brain tree game, uh, the way the fans reacted on the pitch, it really was a special moment. And uh, when the final whistle went, uh, I got overcome by emotion because of, uh, of all the hard work that everyone's put into it, and uh, it was really really pleasing to see all the the joy and jubilation and. Uh, I've only just finished the celebrations now. <laughs> um, all the least we to say now is uh, I hope you you all have a good summer. Uh, enjoy it all. And then uh, I'll see you in the EFL in League 2, OK? 
So that was Chief Scout Steve Foster with awesome his sports message. on the come on, just like, How has it come about that our Chief Scout is such a big celebrity? <laughs> Everybody knows and loves Fozzy. Danny, come on, what is the secret behind Fozzy? Well, I think it's nice you said that message while he was walking up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> and breathe. <laughs> Don't encourage that. A little bit of 80s soul mixed in with some National League South transfer targets. Let's go in into August, and as always, it was a busy and hectic start to the season. Lots of Saturday, Tuesday games, and our season started in front of the BT Sports cameras as two of the season's fancy teams for promotion, Orient Salford, faced off against each other. Honours in this one were even as we drew one all as a late Craig Clay, well, own goal. I think Clay will claim it. Uh, so I us pick up a deserved point and then we followed that up with another one all draw the following Tuesday night at home to Ebbsfleet as a James Brophy opener was cancelled out by a very late equaliser. So two games in, two points. So how important was that? Was it that we didn't lose our first game? Does it matter? <coughs> Is it relevant? I or? think it matters because it's you, then you wake up Sunday and you bit nerves on Monday and you go into the game Tuesday. Think right now we need something. I think it's just nice to get get off the mark. You know what I mean? Mm. You don't have on zero points after one, two, three games. So to get that, especially where it was, who it was against mm. near the end of the game on telly. Uh, I think that was probably my top three of sort of explosive moments when we, when we scored near the end. Uh, and I think you saw. The supporters. I think that just set the tone really, how many fans we took, the reaction of the players all jumping on each other like you would last minute of the game. And I think that set the tone for the togetherness, the togetherness that's sort of got us through all the, all the low times that we've had during the season and yeah. got us sort of the promotions. Any more thoughts on those? I think, you know, like you said, Salford, a lot of attention going into that game in terms of who we were playing, obviously spent money, lots of attention on the game that one. National League is so odd, isn't it? You have so many matches in the first few weeks of the season. So therefore, it's so important to get off to a good start because you've played a very large proportion of the season by the time you get to the end of September. Yeah, they do obviously you know, worry about cup matches and poor quality pitches and things like that. So that front, that front part of the season is really, really uh, top-loaded with fixtures. But also, I think something else has happened in football in recent years as well, where they, you now print the league table after one game, two games, three games. Never used to be printed until six games in. Just to have naught points looks horrific, you know, however far into the season you are. Yeah. And, and to not lose that first game, as you say, with the, with the, the fact it was on telly against, you know, Salford, who obviously attracted a huge amount of media attention for reasons that we all know about. So just to go up there and then, and then not lose, um, you know, was, was really important, I think. I think the point against Epsfleet conceded a last minute equaliser so even though it was a draw it felt like a defeat in some aspects but a big big talking point on the back of the Epsilon game was obviously George Elikobi gets injured and on comes Marvin Epiteta and that's what it takes sometimes unfortunately you know for someone to get injured to get, get a chance, chance. And, yeah. and that's where we've been I think we've been really strong especially as the season's gone on defensively massively yeah we've got we've, Touch wood goes into next scene as well. We've had cover, and hopefully, we don't need to rely on too many people because I'll get injured. But and not just any cover, like good quality cover good as quality, well. Good quality, big physical cover. You know, you've got yeah. people. I think it was down away, going down the line, probably talk about later when we played at Telford. And we were standing there with the gaffers, they were walking out, and we you know, big team. Everyone was like six foot one, six foot two, six foot. And as much as it's not all about that, at that level, I think when you've got that physicality mixed with the, the skill and the pace that we have got. 
very intimidating to go up against. And I think if you just look how many goals we score from crosses and corners and that, it's only because the boys are big and aggressive. And it, it sounds a bit old school, but you do need that. And I think what's been good this year, we've had that, with that balance of playing some good stuff, and we'll need that again next year as well. Justin always throughout the campaign was talking about the importance of the squad rather than the team, and there was always cover um, when players were injured. They, it demonstrated the strength of the squad, and that there was always something that, that came in and was up to the job, and Dan Happy proved that later on in the season. And, and that's like, people say that at the start of the season, if you're one of the ones on the bench, you think, oh, I don't need to hear this. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I have the squad, I want to be playing. But it does, as you get older, more experienced as a player, as coach, you go, it does. And the older players, that's why if you look at a lot of the older players, Charlie Lee, Lawless, who maybe didn't play as much as they wanted to play, they were so professional because they knew they, they had a part to play. I mean, I don't, I don't know how many games Alex played, but everything, everything he did was crucial. He look, look, when he came into the team, when Alex came into the team, was it sort of March time? We had Barnett, right, Barnett away. Well, right, three, right, different right, three, right, three different positions in three different games, just got on with it, delivered. You, you shout know, absolutely it, 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 it's obviously those players, you know, Matt, when you shout on, out, over there, some player, oh, oh rolled up, no, done. And it helps, it helps because the manager, the last thing you need is one player ruining it but acting like a, a sulky kid and we didn't have that once and that was such a big part of mm. the success I think with the exception of um, and I know we're only talking about the start of the season here but it's, I think it's still relevant with the exception of Sam Sargent uh, Miles Judd and I think Sam Ling who were injured at the back end of the season every other player in, of the 22 in the first team squad had pitch time yeah. in those last six games yeah, uh, Foreman, you know right. I think um, Alabi had, had a, you know a few minutes. Lawlessly, oh, you know yeah. everybody everybody contributed definitely, um, and that was very important because ultimately the starting eleven there was seven or eight players who were always going to be in the starting eleven, but everybody else had to fill in the rest of those gaps to to the standard that they were able to. Yeah. So next up we had Barrow at home uh, in another game we probably should have won after taking a two one lead. With 10 minutes left, another late equaliser saw the game finish 2-all. Um, so here we are talking about draws and there was a lot of Orient fans moaning, why have we drawn these games, why haven't we won them, uh, why haven't we signed more players? It's the usual run of negativity that, that, that came from the Orient um, community. But I remember in particular after this game, Craig Clay getting battered on the podcast. I remember reading out your views and it was just drop Clay, drop Clay. What else? No. <laughs> well, that was a DM where we were Yeah, we weren't going to mention your DMs, but <laughs> with your alter ego. But yeah, people were saying, like, need to drop this one, need to do this one, why haven't we signed more players? But it's natural people again. We talked about the expectation levels during pre season. You know, it's natural people are not yeah. going to be happy when we're beating perceivably smaller teams. <laughs> yeah, uh, not beating team, you know, th those teams. Drawing against teams, yeah, should be course. smashed yeah, into yeah, pieces. But, you know, that's yeah. okay. Ultimately, you know, what was it? Ten games unbeaten or whatever. We so did, yeah. How important are those draws? Yeah, absolutely. So Been three draws yeah. out of three. And then the following Tuesday night, we registered our first win. 2-1 away at Maidstone as Josh Kroma scored his first goal of the season. And added to that, a 1-0 win at home to part-timers Bonwood on the Saturday, thanks to a coolly taken penalty from an informed Mac as we were starting to pick up the pace and get wins that we might have necessarily drawn the previous season. At this point, you can start to feel five games now unbeaten and the wheels are starting to turn as the season starts yeah, going. Yeah, you, you feel it, and uh, <clears throat> especially when you, you, your main striker starts to get off the mark as well, if you're right, it's all clean sheets, it starts to fit into place. Uh, and it's still very early on, but even then you start to feel that we can keep this going and get in that top five, top six, top seven, then we can give ourselves a good chance post-Christmas to kick on. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we're in there before then, but uh, the aim was to get in that 
play opposition up to Christmas and then go through the gears from there. Winning on plastic was important as well because of the pitches that were to come. And it had been a problem for the hosts. Yeah, it was, it was quite a few. Four, four pitches? Four or five? Yeah, Harrogate, yeah. Bromley, Sutton, Maidstone. Yeah, yeah, four or five. So it's always, it's always tough. I'm not a big fan of it, but you have to go, you have to go and plan it. Yeah. And at this point, Josh Karama, who started the season on the wing, he had a really good pre-season. He's kind of ousting James Allenby and making that starting position his own. So he obviously scores his first goal against Maidstone and he wins the penalty. It was quite fortunate against Boreham Woods, so at this point Karoma really starts to like a lively prospect at this point in the season. And one that you couldn't really drop and play him in his natural position. It, well, I was going to say, I, think, I don't think I'm giving away too many secrets. I said, Justin did fancy Josh Central, didn't he, from quite an early time, even though he was maybe written on the whiteboard as a wide man. Yeah. You know, it didn't yeah. take a lot for him to, to, what, to push him inside, no. did it? And sometimes it takes things in games to happen to push people different positions. Yeah. <coughs> Broch was playing on the right some games and he ended up playing left wing back right wing back and play off the front so I think if you can get players playing your way of football after a while they'll naturally just play in any position you want to play because they know how you want to play that makes sense and I think that showed as the season went on with different players doing different roles yeah and Danny you know Josh probably better than, than anybody you've seen his progress he looked a different person at the start of the season he obviously worked very hard yes and his body shape had yeah. changed I think I think it's like any players you talk about his top top players on hundreds of thousand pounds a week if they've got a manager who gives them a little bit of love and put your arm around them and believes in them. It, it does wonders to you whether you're a 19-year-old Josh Caroga or sort of 26-year-old French superstar. Do you know what I mean? That, that's what happens and I just feel with, with Justin came in uh, and gave him that belief, put his arm around him, made him feel like he was important, has a bit of banter with him and, and, and the lad started coming into work with a smile on his face. And, and that, that's the same with players all over the world. So the manager needs a lot of credit for that. But so does Josh because he, he was given a chance you know, to go and get back in the team, basically, from, from being out in the abyss. And he, uh, and he sort of certainly worked his socks off to keep the shirt. Showed it, yeah, repaid, his, mm. repaid that faith in him um, quite well. We then had a long journey up to Gateshead, um, and we shared the points as a last-minute equaliser from Big Marl gave us a one-all draw. I mean, we won't talk about Gateshead now, but what a, what a situation they found themselves in um, at the end of this season. But... Um, that equalising goal came despite us being down to 10 men for the final 10 minutes after James Alabi was sent off and we ended the month unbeaten, <coughs> thrashing Dover 3-0 thanks to goals from Joby McEnough, Josh Caroma and Matt Harold. So that Gateshead game felt like a win due to the nature of the last-minute goal. There were some great pictures coming out of the stadium of the players and the management team all kind of bundling on top of each other. Mm. Uh, and again, Dover, you felt like a result like that was coming where we were going to hammer someone and the second half we mentioned throughout the season that we looked fitter than teams earlier in the season and we just yeah. bombed them in the second half and that took us to seven games and seven games unbeaten. Yeah. James Alabi is an interesting character, isn't he? That <laughs> opening day of the season, that tackle at Salford mm. was amazing. The one at Gateshead, it was the same attempt, but he didn't get the ball. They were near the ball. Do you know what? I watched that tackle back at Salford, slow motion. What are you talking about? Yeah. Amazing tackle. Unbelievable. The best tackle I've seen. I've ever so seen, yeah. Slow motion. Like so this week, tried again. Ball fight. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it only about seven seconds out. Okay, so that's a fair. One thing with James, what we did, you know. I think he's had his, had his critics this year from supporters and that, and he's in a way he's become a bit of a cult hero. But mm. he, uh, it's easy to say this because we've had a good season, but not he tries so hard at everything when he comes on the pit, he works his socks off. So those tackles hard to go, like, oh, I get sending off for because he's trying to do his best for the mm. team all the time. Does he try too hard sometimes? 
I think that could be a natural thing for anyone when you're not yeah. playing all the time, especially as a yeah. forward, because yeah. you've, you've got to come on and, I suppose, as a holder midfielder or centre-half, centre-half, you know, I've got on five minutes, I've got just to make it clear or get the line-up. Midfield, I've just got to sit here and pass sideways and just put it in the channels and wind the puck. As a forward, you've got to be, mentally, you think, I've got to be seen to do something. And not just him, you look at Matt Yell comes around, puts his elbows about. Everyone's got their own way of impacting the game. One thing that changed, when he has come on, he does affect the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, although he didn't play that many games, his contribution to the season was quite significant. What happened at uh, Wrexham and his uh, performance against Bromley, mm. he had some key moments. Barnett. Yeah, Barnett I think uh, Halifax away, that yeah. was one of my top moments that last, he played really well that day. And... Uh, when he's because it was him who scored as well, yeah. but I don't think he'd scored, did he? Mm-hmm. That was his fantastic. Mm-hmm. It was a good day. So yeah. August finished in, played seven, won three, drawn four with an unbeaten record at this point, fifth in the league, so good good position to build on going into September. Yeah, great start to the season, having not lost in seven games really. Can't can't really do much better no. than that. A million percent. Yeah. So September then, so another busy month and the start of September saw a well fought one nil victory away to Chesterfield, thanks to a screamer from James Dayton and then following that would be an informed Solihull Moors team 3-0 at home thanks to two late goals so again two very impressive wins to start off September at that point Chesterfield weren't doing too badly and that was a really tough game and Dayton came up with a good one and a great goal from Dayton that felt like a football league game you know we were there there were 6,000 people there so obviously they got a good stadium they'd not started that well they're probably mirroring how we were the previous Mm. previous year and obviously Martin Allen paid, paid the price for that um, but I think to go up there and win, and maybe it wasn't you know the biggest statement of intent, but it certainly was a you know a, a pretty solid sign that we weren't imposters um, in our with our unbe- unbeaten start. So you know that was good, and then to follow that up against the surprise package, or even you know even back then, it, it confounded the critics by having any points after eight games. You know that then yeah. to, to beat Solid Hull at home actually turned into a better result now, if you like, than it probably was back in early September. You don't realise what it is until you yeah. get to the end of the season, yeah. do you? And was it Nigel that said he had them up there on his yeah, spreadsheet Nigel. of predictions at the start of the he season? He actually did, yeah. Where did you have yeah. them? Do you remember? Uh, I, I was so wrong with everyone. I had all the shot in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> I had Dover up there. I was miles off. So don't ask me. turned it upside down and you'd have been yeah, spot yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think a player we've not mentioned yet in those two games who was vital was Dean Brill. I remember him making a great save yes. from a header in yes. Chesterfield and he made about That's three true. excellent saves home to Solly on one of the 1-0. Oh, no, no, no. I think Dean Brill had a fantastic season. You'll probably talk about it more as the season went on. I think he was such a big, played such a big part. But yeah, as a character and as a, as a goalkeeper yeah, as well, right? Yeah, back some of the saves he made, say penalties, it's just fantastic, fantastic. The club announced that the end of September that Steve's favourite player and part idol, David Mooney, yeah. had left the club. Yeah, big sad times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Big talking point. That didn't At stop. At the time, it was yeah. a huge talking point. Didn't stop the promotion train. This was followed by another late goal, which you've alluded to, is James Alabi with a last-minute level. I saw a straw one all away to Halifax to keep us unbeaten. And then the following Saturday, we were up in Barnet to the Bray Group Stadium in the sunshine. And that was another great game. We won that one three-one thanks to goals from Coulson, Dayton, and Macca. And I thought that was the game where it was really starting to click. We looked dangerous. We took the lead really early on. I think Barnet were playing well. Scored a good equaliser. At half-time, it was one all. And the second half, we just came out, looked composed, and... Dayton's goal was fantastic and we really played well that that sort of point of the season we felt that there's so many years post sort of 
when they got to play a final, League One, it felt like every time they had a home game, we were going to lose. Just that negative feeling for teams to love coming and they got a goal up early and I think, oh no, here we go. And I think this season, we didn't really feel like that. Even like Barnet, it drew up, they got back to one or didn't they, at yeah. one point. And before, I think sometimes you might have crumbled a little bit, but just went up the gears again. I think that was a real, a real, real positive this year that every time we played at home, we played like we were at home, as stupid as that sounds, you know what I mean? It weren't like, yeah, oh, yeah. against us. We kept the away fans quiet most games. Uh, Tuesday, not even at Eastleigh at home, 2-1 down. Just didn't even think we were going to lose the game. Mm. And that's a credit to the, the players, I think, that they showed that character. Because you're going to get a few moaning groans, because that's, that's life. But they shrugged it off and, and ended up getting the wins. It was a growing resilience, wasn't it? Mm. And that was demonstrated at Halifax. Because mm. it was a really good performance, mm. a, a decent match. Um, and late Owen just didn't give up. No, no, and we, we, yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, but you're right. I, think we, I would like to see the facts, I don't know the stats actually, but how many goals we scored in 80 plus minutes. I was going to say that if you look at the sort of net points gained to, to against loss from late goals, we'd be well up, but I yeah. know you've got the set piece stats. Yeah, down, I've got, the, got the stats, and no, I think Joe needs to, Joe Danlist, who's been in different class this year, give him a mention, but I'll give him a text later, find out how many goals, late goals. It's been a fair few, I think, a fair few. Yeah. Uh, be interested to know that. It is, if you look yeah. back to those Man United glory years, and you know the goals they scored ninety plus, and ended up winning leagues and Champions Leagues, and it's, it's another thing you need to do if you're going to be successful. It's another tick you need to do. And uh, again, I think it demonstrated the quality of the squad. I can remember Justin telling me off. He felt like telling me off because I referred to good substitutions. They're not substitutions; they're game changes. Uh, and they were, weren't they? Consistently off the bench, the changes yeah. did make a, an impact. Yeah, the substitutions were good, but also the substitutes were good. You know, you've got lads who, you know, I keep saying it, but when you tell them to go and do a run, they don't roll their eyes and do a token stretch, they want to get on the pitch. And if you don't bring them on, you still win the game. They're in the first one, you just shoot my five and everyone, they're all in it together. So when you brought people on, whoever it was, whatever position, you knew that you were going to get 100%. And it was hard as well to tie that in with what we discussed earlier about the lads in the squad who weren't playing so much. One of the reasons ways you can keep people ticking over is by having them on the bench. Well, the National League, for some unfathomable parochial reasons, <laughs> still only has five substitutes <coughs> when you know, every other major professional division probably in Europe has seven. And you know, I won't go too much into the politics of it, but if they ever want to be considered a proper division, they're going to have to start doing things like that properly. You know? So when, when, you're, when you're a club like us with 22 professional players who, to be frank, don't deserve to be not even on the bench for a national league game. You know, you turn around someone like Charlie Lee or Alex Lawless. So, you know, sorry, you're not in, you're not even on getting changed today. Yeah. But I might need you on Tuesday. That's even harder yeah. than if they were just an unused sub for the previous few games and then had to come on. So the fact that we're talking about people like Alabi, Harold, uh, you know, Lee Lawless coming on making a difference. Um, and and as Dave said, you know, Justin always had it in his mind. What could be done between that 60 to 70 minute period to change the rest of the game in our favour, which worked nine times out of ten because look how many late goals we scored and how many late points we won. You know, I think again that shows that that is so strategic that that part of, of, of the game. And in some ways, picking the team probably based on the previous result and form and, and injuries and things like that, you kind of do that. But then that next level of decision making for substitutes and changes. You know, is, is as important yeah. than, than just who's going to start. And two crucial components that we have spoken about already, but that's pre-season. That's the fitness that they get pre-season, but also the mental strength that and, comes and the morale as well. And, and having a good dressing room, Fighting which doesn't have bad eggs in it and doesn't yeah. have people 
who, who didn't want to pull in the same direction. Exactly. Yeah. It all contributes. There's, there's, it's not just one ingredient, is it? No. So to finish a busy September, we had three games in a week, which goes down really well with, uh, with pro uh, sports people. First up, we had a trip to high-flying surprise package Harrogate, who were also unbeaten, but we overcame them fairly easily to win the game 3-0, thanks to a double from Joby McEnough, which was followed up by a 5-1 away win at Braintree, which included a hat-trick for Macca. But to end the month, the O's fell to their first defeat of the season as a stubborn and well-drilled Sutton beat us 1-0 at home. Harrogate were, I mean, we mentioned earlier, you know, they, they'd invested in the squad, but having just come up from the National League North, arguably probably the surprise package at that point in the season that they were unbeaten. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's like... you got you go into each league, I think the top of one league isn't too far away from the, Bottom, the next yeah, one. Yeah. And, and I think to be at the top of any league, you've got to be quite good. You know, it'll be at the top of that conference north, wherever, five, six teams are full time. It's not like it used to be, you know, like a dinosaur back in the day when they were all plumbers and electricians in the day and they could put the boots on at night. These are ex pros, a lot of them. So they had the pitch, had the plastic pitch. I think that uh, the manager's been there for seven, eight years, the manager there. So he's got them playing a certain way. They know what's expected of them. And when you get a promotion, you just start the season flying more times than not. Uh, so it weren't really a surprise to us as staff, but we, we, we sort of picked out Salford and, and Harrogate to be main threats. Mm. Uh, I think Harrogate, they're, they're, you know, people say they're a small club, but they're, it's a good, they're, they're, they're good financially well backed as well. well. Like yes. That wasn't a surprise. No, it wasn't okay. a surprise at all. And uh, to be fair, I think they're similar to Farl, good footballing team. Mm. Bit of money behind them, uh, and people you say you can't be can't be fooled by maybe their small crowds because mm. they've got a bit of backing behind. Them. You look at it when, when you've got uh, once you get away from the top two divisions, you can move through the divisions in in an unnatural way. And what I mean by that is the clubs that move from the League One to the Championship generally are the smallest then the smallest clubs in the Championship unless they're a big old club that's fallen on hard times. Clubs that move from the Championship to the Premier League are then the smallest clubs in the Premier League. Clubs that move from the National League North to the National League, National League to League Two, League Two to League One, don't go from being the biggest club in that division to the smallest club in the next division up. You know, we will go from being the biggest club in the National League to being sixth, seventh biggest club in League Two straight away. We're not going to go in as the twenty-fourth biggest club in League Two, are we? Look, look at you know even Tranmere now have gone straight through, and they're not going to be the smallest club in League One either. So those bridges are much more uh, achievable to cross. You know, at, at that at that level, you know, look Stockport. You know, what a tough division the National League is next year. Stockport, Notts County, Chesterfield. You know, Torquay. Torquay. Torquay you yeah. know, Torquay. You know, bad, bad times, but absolutely smashed the National League South this year. Yeah. And you would expect them to do well. So you wouldn't. You when you look at it like a Harrogate or a Fylde or a Salford who've come through the divisions, and regardless of whether people see them as real or plastic or whatever, yeah. it doesn't really matter. Ultimately, you know, the resources that they've got. Don't mean that 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 they're going to stretch to reach the next next division up. You know, you no. see a l countless examples of that. Yeah. What was also apparent was that the team was getting better. So it was a solid start to the season. But at Harrogate, they really started to turn it on. A couple of goals were the highest quality, yeah. and they were, weren't just individual goals. They were. I remember a, a pass from Charlie Lee yeah. for Macaulay Bond. finish. I think what you saw this year, just being quite general, was you saw a lot of lads playing at, at the top of their game. That's the challenge now they've set themselves with players because they can't fall behind that. Mm -hmm. You can't suddenly be nine out of ten every week to seven out of ten 
because you'll be able to tell you. So they, as much as it's been a wonderful season for these lads, they've now put themselves under a big spotlight because everyone will go, well, oh, didn't play like that last year. Come on, pull your finger out. So the boys know that. That's the celebrations. And like you say, even early in the season, they hit those heights and they stayed at those heights. That's the important. The odd little blip. <clears throat> and next season, 24 success, they, they've got to hit those heights and probably a little bit more if we want to be successful again. But it's good to see at this point, Macca really leaping up the scoring charts. That hat that trick at Braintree, I think, right at the top. Joby getting two goals at Harrogate. I think I've said in pre-season said I would I wouldn't start Joby, and then you know Joby was probably our best player in the early season. So Joby making making football look incredibly easy, really. That's the frustrating thing is when you get when you're not a trained footballer to think oh I can do that on a in a park and it's actually not as easy as what no. it looks. So it's actually a, you know that's a really good point. So. That meant that we'd won five out of our seven games in September, taking 16 points. Macca scoring six goals in an exceptional month for him, meaning the O's finished September 2nd in the National League. And that was one point behind leaders at that time uh, were Salford. We'd played 14 at that point, 1-8, drawn five, only lost one. Uh, we'd accumulated 29 points and a goal difference of plus 17. So we all, all would have taken I mean, that at that point. 100%. It's yeah. a plus 17 goal difference that yeah. early in the season. It's October then. So we start October with a convincing 2 0 win away to Maidenhead, thanks to early goals from Macca and one from James Alabi. And followed that up with a 0 0 draw against Hartlepool in front of a sellout crowd for the first time of the season. Yeah, uh, we bowed out the FA Cup before the first round proper. It was the fourth, uh, fourth round qualifying. We lost 2 0 away to Maidstone. I think that game will probably be remembered for Blair Turgut's solo effort where he pretty much ran the whole length of the pitch unchallenged and smashed it in the top top of the goal. It was a pretty good goal, to be fair. If I was on their team, I'd say that's probably my goal of the season for them. It was a good goal. It was a good goal. I think it was It was one of them that day that you sort of... Now we've won the league, look back, oh, it was the right decision. But at the time, you know, people were saying, well, we rested a lot of players and this and that. But I think the manager had a, had a plan and a method. I think it was, at that time, he trusted, obviously, all the, all the lads that weren't playing or else he wouldn't have played them. Yeah. Play, play them. They needed that, that game time, and it's not disrespecting the FA Cup, it's just saying, this is our squad, we're all together, you know, we're going to practice as we preach, I believe in all of you, so go and play. And it didn't work out that day, you know, didn't, didn't, we didn't play too well, and Mason probably deserved to beat us just on the day, but in hindsight it worked out well, because they got valuable minutes that day, mm-hmm. which, who knows, the next game they played, would they have cost us three points, because they're rusty, I don't know, it's all hindsight football. Mm. So out of the FA Cup are probably the first real negative of the season. And then next up, arguably the easiest and most convincing game so far of the season as we ran right and comfortably put four parts part-timers having at Waterlooville to go top of the league as results around us were favourable. So I think that one, we got the early goal and we absolutely smashed it. Yeah. It was very reminiscent for me of that Gillingham game in League One where we got the goal and we were just sniffed blood Charlie well, Lee and that one scored an absolute that was going time. back to you know when we talk about the, the golf in the divisions and stuff like that they were miles out of their depth at that time when they came to us weren't they you know that was one of the examples which have become sort of folklore stories of the last couple of years of players turning up and doing selfies on our pitch because it's the biggest game they'll ever play and it's not disrespecting them good luck to them what, you know what great achievement blah. but that was just that did show the haves and the have nots of the division you know, and I think you, you've got to, if you want to be serious title challengers, it's, it's, there's no, no excuses on games like that. You've got to dispatch them in a straight manner, and, yeah. and we did that, you know. And that game also saw one of the goals of the season from McCauley Bond as a great team move. Mm. Finished in Bond, not making the key, but yeah. a great goal, so a great entertainment, mm. and great for the goal difference. We ended up 
Uh, we ended October away at Eastleigh and picked up a valuable point thanks to one all draw. So Macaulay Bond grabbed an equaliser and arguably he did have enough chances to win that game, um, but weren't meant to be. Yeah, so that meant after picking up eight points from a possible 12 in October, Yo sat third in the National League at this point, played 18, won 10, drawn 7, still with the only one defeat on 37 points and a very healthy goal difference at this point of plus 23. So again, all would have taken that going into November. Yeah. All season our goal difference was a point. Yes, mm. all day long. Which is yeah. So you know when you look how tight it was, so 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 priceless. You yeah. know, that's what I mean about. But you got to beat Braintree, haven't you? Got doing four and five. Yeah, well, so, yeah, because you know. that will could be crucial yeah. come the end of the season. Yeah. That yeah. And when you look at how many games were played early on, going out of the FA Cup gave the O's a week off, didn't it? Which yeah. Got yeah. It was yeah. Also at Maidstone. It was the five at the back, wasn't it? The three central defenders. Yeah, the first yeah. Game. I think we, we did we did it that day, and then we went back to the four. I think the game mm. after. But I suppose you say you should, if you stay in the FA Cup, maybe you don't have such a good trophy run, and you, yeah, you don't go to Wembley. You don't know, do you? You've got crystal ball, but the West seemed to help the players. Yes, yeah, I, I think so. I think if you looked at, we'll probably get at the game. If you look at Wembley, we probably just run out of steam a little bit. You know, it's a long season, a long season with a, with a with a lot of the same players playing a lot of minutes and playing ever so well so yeah as you say that, that game might have helped us get some mm. points you might not have got otherwise who knows so moving into November then, and the month started with a difficult looking fixture away to AFC Fold but the O's were awesome that day coming out 3-1 winners thanks to an early strike from Macca and two great finishes from Josh Gromer I think those two goals from Josh in particular were both outstanding and Josh really continuing to make a big name for himself in the National League and us getting the early goal quite important because yeah. other teams previously would get the early goal and try and sit back and put 10 or 11 behind that and make it hard for us to find these little pockets yeah. that Ross had spoken about on the podcast that we try to exploit and so it, it, it changes their thinking as well if we're getting an early goal the quality of the performance that it was good what was good as well though was they were one all didn't they Danny Rowe scored yeah. one of his 75 yards he scored <laughs> <all> the time <laughs> but, but away then Charlie Lee I think done his knee didn't he that day that put him out for about a couple of months I think done his knee that day so and that was a one all if I remember rightly I might be wrong with that but so to come back then to still win away from home a lot of people might go for or take a point now but yeah. no, what, what Matt said well, if you want to win Leeds you've got to go and beat these teams if yeah. you can yeah. yeah so that was a great result and we had a week off like we've just spoken about then we welcomed Bromley to the O's uh, special game this one very special so Bromley took the lead just before half time and went in at 1-0 down uh, but they couldn't live with us in the second half it was a superb Joby Mack and a free kick a solo effort from Josh Caroma which was a contender for goal this season that we'll, we'll definitely talk about later in the podcast uh, and a rebound from Mack I saw the O's take the points winning the game 3-1 and a fitting end to a match that started off with the uh, bugglers of the Middlesex Regiment the Footballers Battalion as we remembered those who made the ultimate sacrifice with the kit that day being replicated from that era and a really yeah, special day and a special performance to go along with it. It was nice, yeah, it was nice with the, with the size of the crowd. Was it International Weekend? We, have, yes. we had a bigger crowd, we had a bigger, we had a bigger crowd, crowd. Yeah. obviously semi-local derby. I don't know what, Bromley has become a little bit of a needle tip. Can yeah. I just give a message to our fans? Don't worry about Bromley, they're an irrelevance. <laughs> We're late in Orient, can we please not worry about Bromley? Let's worry about the teams we, we should be worrying about. He didn't read out something that I put in there about the chief protagonist being a certain ex-player of ours. Yeah, but think about, yeah, but think about what happened in the return game, why he nailed Josh. 
So Josh, how did Josh celebrate in front of him? George yeah. Porter had probably been waiting four or five months to nail Josh Corona. And probably you would too if someone celebrated yeah. like that in your front. <laughs> That's the way life works. So don't worry about it. It's done. It's we never have to play him again. Forget about it. But no, in all seriousness, that was really nice that day. You know, obviously the club's extremely proud of its World War One connections and the amount of you know work that's gone into recognising that with with the, the the play and the books and and the. Just the, the way it's all been, in, um, you know, put put down in words and and over the years. So um, for us to to be, you know, adorned in that kit was, you know, really looked special. And and uh, to be honest, who didn't take 10, 15 minutes to get their heads around the fact we were wearing that kit at home? It was so hard to actually watch that game at the start, wasn't it? To work out who was wearing what. But that you know, I was so pleased that the lads put in a performance that was worthy of the occasion that day. Came from behind, didn't we? Yeah, he scored the free kick early on, then indirect free kick. Yeah, Jay, yeah. Uh, I actually had a word with Josh actually because it <coughs> one of his little learning tools. What, what Matt says about you do things like that, you get in people's faces for whatever reason, and there's always a chance it might come back to bite you in the bum down the line. And it was a nasty tackle from mm. from uh, George, I think, in the the game at their place. And I pulled him after. Said Josh, if you're going to do that, you're going to you know bigger, nasty people than. George Paul are going to come after you to start doing that next year, so be careful. It's like a lot of those youngsters, they're learning things, you know, mm. sometimes you learn the other way by getting a whack, but going on something else in the match, and I went to see that <coughs> that play, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was, the guys, Michael Head, he's yeah. a Leeds fan. Michael Head. the book? Oh, Steve James Leeds. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice bloke. Very. Yeah, he had a chat with him, very good play. It was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah, good cast as well. To be fair, he was, was just really good. Yes. Yeah. Um, Steve Gibson. You nearly got that part in these standards, didn't you, Webby? You must pay. Just Webby. Just Webby. Just really just he was a nice bloke. Oh, Michael Gregg. Oh, Very nice, yeah. Because we went in the theatre and it was like, you know, this is really weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it starts and they're like, there, the, the, the cast. You obviously got a better seat than us, so. <laughs> we, were, we were just happy to get seats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But this one is right in front of them. <laughs> That's all right, man. No, it was, a, it was a great play. Very, yeah, it was very, really very well moving, done. Very well good. acted, yeah. And that is an echo again. What Matt says, the work that doing um, certain yeah. sports in particular do a lot of that sun work and that it's uh, it doesn't go unnoticed by staff yeah. and players yeah I, mean, I, I went with James Dayton Matt Harold, Charlie Lee um, apologies if I forgot one or two other players but they weren't just sometimes you take players to things like yeah. oh looking at their watch how yeah. long are we going to be yeah. why have I got to be here on a Tuesday night yeah. blah 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 they bought into it they were totally genuine they yeah. wanted to be there they enjoyed it they were emotionally taken by it they asked questions afterwards you know yeah. genuine real good guys and I think that you know that was put throughout the whole squad yeah. really good so next up a massive match as we went to promotion chase in Wrexham who hadn't lost at home all season we hadn't lost away all season so either way it was a battle on the unbeaten record and a tough game played out like a game of chess when either side prepared to give an inch to their opponents however in the 86th minute the Cordy Bob broke the deadlock sending the fans and management into raptures and James Broker put the game to bed in the 90th minute with a sublime finish over the keeper who had come out of his area to head the ball clear so those three points took a stop of the National League and another good win and a vital win and I think you mentioned when we done our game of the season poll we didn't include this one my game of the season by far not just because of the quality of the football but the atmosphere was was just fantastic the Orient travelling support were were there all the way through weren't they The, the, the noise was great and it was such a resilient performance because 
Wrexham were in good form at the time, mm. they really were. Mm. Uh, and Leighton Orient demonstrated real resolve at the back, and I think it was after the Wrexham game that uh, Justin made the point about the, the, the substitutes being the game changers, because they were. Because um, Leighton Orient looked on course for points, mm. but it was the substitutes that meant it was a huge yeah. win. Absolutely. Brophy and Brophy, Brophy yes. come on. Mm. Yeah. And done well. I think, well, I said earlier about us Chesterfield, I think those games, all due respect to the so-called smaller teams, when you go to Wrexham, it's a big club. club yeah, big We're ground. a big club yeah. for this level. And Chesterfield, and actually you've got Notts County. So those games automatically feel like, I'll say like league games. games, it's really disrespectful, yeah. but sort of League One, League yeah. Two, where the fans are used to being, and it gives them that lift. And probably the same with Wrexham fans. Chesterfield gives them that lift of, you know, all due respect, you're going to have and that these places that were in the Ryman League two years ago and our yeah. fans a little bit like it feels like a bit like FA Cup day yeah you know, and it's like a top of the table clash who cares what league it is because we're at Wrexham yeah you know? and so the Chesterfield like you said and the Chesterfield those so sorts of I think what you're yeah. saying about the atmosphere definitely yeah and it's credit to Justin that other managers would have settled for the point because mm. Wrexham really were flying mm. but the substitutions that Justin made positive, late on the game yeah. was to win it yeah there weren't often this season, I'm sure there will be a number of occasions that I can't remember, but I, I do remember certain times, games we were losing or winning, and we'd end up with like seven players up front by the end of the game. Yes. You, uh, it's, oh, I love that. It's great. We did, we did work on yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all planned. Yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if you look back, Dave, you know, I mean, if I ever had one thing I'd say sometimes about Russ, perhaps, was that maybe he wasn't brave enough yeah. sometimes, you know, whereas... Justin, to be fair to him, he don't yeah. care. If we're losing in the last 10 minutes, he'll, he'll just do whatever he thinks he needs yeah. to do. To, yeah. to, to, and he's trying to work out the formation with all these players. Yeah. What yeah. Yeah. So many wingers. But it all, all the shot at home was one of them as well. Like, literally yeah. nine players. Yeah. Like, and and, and we're drawing, wasn't we? Yeah. 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 yeah, that's right. So lastly, you spoke about all the shot at home because that was the next match on a cold Tuesday night in November. They basically defended for their lives, but eleven went behind the ball. They played not to lose, I think. Yeah, that game. But didn't they do it well? They yeah. done very well. So you can't knock it. Took a point. No, not at all. Yeah, 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 what are they going to do? Come and open up to us and get turned over? Man. Yeah, fair play to it. Yeah, not at all. So that one finished nil nil, which meant we took ten points out of a possible twelve in November. So we finished the month having played twenty two, one thirty, drawn eight, still only the one defeat, points forty seven, and the goal difference shooting up at plus. 29. So this point, one point had a sore for the second place, but only six points separating first place from fourth place. So very, very tight up there and little room for error. For error, absolutely. So we're going into December now, another busy period, and it started with a visit of seventh placed Gateshead as goals from Josh Coroma. His goal in particular was superb, and Macaulay Bond saw us walk away with the points. But Gateshead came to play football and did themselves proud, so we'll, we'll probably feel hard done by to come away uh, with nothing. With Salford also winning, we really needed to win that game to stay top. Yeah, so good performance there. So next up was Brian Wood away in front of the BT Sport cameras with the 12.35 kickoff time and a tough game separated by an early goal as we switched off in our box uh, to concede. And although we created yeah. chances, we couldn't convert them as we slipped to our first away defeat of the season. But unlucky, uh, on another day, some of our chances go in. Yeah, I think a few games you did lose, you were always probably the better team, or if not, same as, but mm. it was never... I think the games we lost was never really the standards we could play, and I think that day was a bit flat, really. I don't think we played particularly I well. I agree with that. Lost James Dayton, didn't we, on that game? Yes, yeah. with the injury on the right-hand side right by the dugout. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was early on. I just, just want to think we could have been there for another few hours oh, I think yeah. we win any of our four games against Borenwood in the last two years I think we did you know and, they, and they're you know it's a 
But that's the sort of team that will play up against them. Yeah. Yeah. Their pitch is exactly. amazing. Exactly. Three injuries in two away games. Oh, really? Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, we lost Coulson around Kobe there last year, didn't we? And that really cost us. Yeah. But, but regardless, I mean, they're, you know, funny sort of club, Borenwood, they're difficult to deal with. They, you know, it's their owner, they're, they're not very welcoming, guy. you know. Yeah. But yeah, they smile, smile to your face and, be, you know, whatever. But, could, you know, whatever, do what they need to do. But, you know, they're a difficult team to play. We didn't do particularly well against them, despite their immaculate pitch paid for by Arsenal. Well done, you know. But yeah. anyway, it's it, it just sort, of, the sort yeah. of place that you, when you look at the, when the fixtures come out, you'll be like, oh, I'm glad we don't have to go there. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. No, when I heard that George... we got in to commentate, David, they, like, oh. they don't like the press. <laughs> yeah. When I heard that George uh, George Sessions, sorry, had to pay for his ticket, yeah, I was yeah. like. Sorry, what? Yeah, it was another mobile one. <laughs> yeah, yes. there's uh, lots of difficult uh, places to do uh, commentary. Salford City was one of them, but uh, Bournemouth was on the mobile phone as well. It's just impossible. You can't actually move. I don't have facilities. They don't want to help either. No, no, and they're quite happy with that because it makes you not feel uncomfortable yeah, as exactly. the away yeah, team. Not, and you know, that's their kind of. Yeah. <clears throat> their extra inch that yeah. they're able to start off on. So reaching the middle of December then, we had a week <coughs> off from the National League as we welcomed Beaconsford Town to Brisbane Road for the FA Trophy first round and their vice-chairman was a what is a late-night season ticket holder yeah. which yeah, makes us all win-win for him. Yeah. Yeah. We, we won comfortably in this one, 4-0 with goals from George Kobe, James Brophy, Craig Clay and Dal Gorn as our first steps on the road to Wembley started with a good, impressive win. Yeah, but they were doing quite well in their league, if I remember rightly, so they weren't to be taken lightly um, by any means. So, um, no, good that we dispatched them. We faced Chesterfield next at home. They proved to be quite a tough test, and Josh Caroma put us ahead with another superb goal. He doesn't score crap goals, does he? Um, he he's got a thing about that. Um, Kiwamia equalised, meaning it was one all at half-time, but our second-half performance... Another level, probably one of my favourite performances of the season, and there's quite a few to choose from. But we just came out of the blocks and just hit them, and I don't think they know what what happened. Like, where's the team that we were playing in the first half? Uh, they couldn't live with us, and we had goals from Big Marvin Bon, uh, a Bon penalty, which meant that we ran out three run winners that day. And um, sadly, a few days later, Martin Allen got sacked. Well, so. that was a really good game, and I remember Tom Denton for Halifax coming the season before and just shredding us to bits mm. but this year we handled him really well a bit wiser to him a bit dirtier and to mm, good win that game 3-1 we looked, we want, we had the desire there. we had the battle there. and you're thinking these boys could, could, could go on it and Charlie Lee was excellent that day because we, we put him on as his specific job to stand in Denton's toes open play or goal kicks and so it was like a sandwich effect so he couldn't really get a run on it the headers and it, he, he was like an unsung hero that day. He, very, he didn't really go nowhere. Some people thought even the play was going. He was just staying with Denton the whole time, but it nullified their, their threat. But like we said earlier, that in that game had a proper league feel about it, and luckily we come out on top. He did that against Danny Rowe, didn't he? And as well, in the home game yeah. towards the end of the season. Like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, he does he that does role quite well, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Great. So then we move on to Boxing Day. We made the short trip round to Dagenham and Redbridge, who were the informed side at the time, having won six out of seven league games, and despite taking the lead for a piece um, for a piece of Josh Caroma brilliance, sorry, the Daggers scored two late goals to win the game, two one. Remember, only our third defeat of the season. But I remember the fallout on our social media accounts was massive. Loads of fans unhappy, but for a decent performance. And again, on another day, we we go and win that game. Haven't mentioned him so far, have we? Joby McEnough, the captain. Not really. But we, not we knew him because yeah. uh, that, that was when he broke his toe, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. uh, what an absentee. I, I don't Fine. think it was a coincidence that we had a very difficult uh, period 
with the absence of, of um, the captain fantastic. He was magnificent yeah. about the campaign. Yeah, he was. I think uh, I think we did miss him when he didn't play. Uh, but the good thing with Joby, when he didn't play, <coughs> he wasn't one of those captains who was just a captain by name. Do you know what I mean? He sort of led. Yeah, he was in and around the dress room yeah. and knew when he when he would say something, knew when he you know weren't to say anything and would be on the dugout certain games and to put his arm around players. So even when he wasn't playing in that period, we missed him massively on the pitch. But it was nice to have him around. The lads still, you know, it's good. For, for me, that was the first and possibly the only game of the season where I'd really blame us for losing that game. I thought we took our eye off the ball late on, but we cost ourselves that game. You know, listen, you can play badly and lose a game, that's fine. You know, one thing, one thing, this, this squad tried all year, blah, blah, blah. But I thought those last couple of minutes at Dagenham, we let ourselves down. Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, and I think you do need, unfortunately, need one or two kick up the bum games mm. like that, yeah. where you go, you give the manager reason to go, right, okay. Maybe we're not that great in a minute. This is what we need to work on. So, as long as like we did, you you sort of learn from those little blips and mistakes and put them right, then you'll be successful. It's the teams that don't and continue to make those same mistakes that fall away. And luckily, we, we didn't fall away. Great points, great analysis. So we ended two thousand eighteen, making a short trip to Andy Hesitala's Dover as the game ended nil nil, despite having number of chances and some fans decided to have a bit of a, uh, a meltdown at the end of the game and also on social media and I think in Justin's post-match interview with you Dave he spoke about the need to remain positive as we're an informed team he was more than that he was angry right. he was really angry and I think it was enormous credit to Justin that he took the players side I mean he, he, he I can remember him saying things that there were a couple of supporters that need to think about what they've said um, because it was a good point. I mean, Andy Hessentyler had turned that club around and yeah. it was a, on a very difficult pitch, as it always is yeah. at Dover. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was definitely yeah. a point gained and some of the uh, criticism of the players at the end of the match was grossly unfair. But it must again been such a, 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 a um, from a player's point of view, to hear the manager on your side like that, especially after a couple of difficult results. Yeah, and I think there was there's no reason not to be. I think we was we was were we top at that point or uh, we yeah, I think we were in the round. It so it was still going well, but yeah, I think if you first, if, yeah. if you look at were we first, were we oh, yeah. okay. so we're still top. Uh, one thing you can't do, obviously, is, is lose the players, and that's what Justin is good at. He's very good at motivating, yeah. and all the players want to play for him. And I think going back to that game yeah. in particular is, uh, I think. Oh, Dad always used to say to me, if your goal you make saves a penalty in a game, you'd snap your hand for a point. If you're under save a penalty, you'd take a point. So yeah, of course. I think you look at that Hartley pull, which was further on down the line, but if they score the penalty, you lose the game. Once Dino saves that, what did he miss target? He saved it, didn't he? Saved he it. did save it. Save yeah, it. Yeah, save it. Yeah, yeah, no, he did save it. He saved the penalty. You think, well, we'll take the point now, regardless of the performance. And Matt, you know over the years that there are some times when the Oint supporters are very critical. We didn't seem to be enjoying life at the top of the table. And again, I think those comments that Justin made, fans listened to, didn't they? Yeah, they did. It's, it was nerves, I think. You know, people knew um, the importance of us getting out of the National League. And it, do you know what? It's funny because you can enjoy being at the top of the league when the season's finished. You can't particularly enjoy being top of the league when there's you know, a few games to go and you might not still be top of the league. But I remember speaking to the managing director of, uh, I won't name him, and embarrass him, but club who are now doing very well in the Football League, having had far more years than us in the National League. And he said to me, when we, when we got relegated, he said, what, what, tell me what it's like. He said, in the first year, it's a bit of a novelty. He said, everyone doesn't mind. A few new grounds to go and see. Like Danny says, uh, said earlier, everything's a bit like an FA Cup first round game. And it's a, you know, it's a bit different and you can get away with it. 
In the second year, they expect you to win. In the third year, they, you have to win. And in years four to six, they hate the effing sight of you, were his exact words. Now, you imagine being like a Lincoln who did nine years, Wrexham 11 years, whatever they're doing. You know? I can see why, as a fan base, of which I consider myself one, there were nerves. And when we weren't beating teams like Dover, you got you you've got to step away from it and look at the bigger picture. But when you look at that you know that game or any game we didn't win in isolation, I can see why people couldn't keep their heads necessarily. You know because if we'd have been twelve points clear, they'd go, oh, well, it's all right, it's only one game. Yeah. But when it's it was so tight, and you knew Salford weren't going to blow up. Yeah. You know, Solihull should have blown up, but didn't fair play to them. You know, you knew Fylde were going to stay up there, yeah. Harrogate, Harrogate, you know, right, whatever, yeah. and there was. And like Ebbsfleet were always hovering, Sutton were always hovering, teams who, who, who could have pushed on. So you knew that it wasn't going to be, we weren't going to run away with it, despite, as we'll probably come on and talk to, the fact that we did have chances to go and find ourselves six or seven points clear. With, you know, but regardless of that, it was always going to be relatively tight. So those nerves were always going to be there. And social media, there should be a ban on social media for an hour after the game finishes, because everyone should just have an hour to calm down, <laughs> think about what's happened, don't say anything silly. That's our big time. Unfortunately, yeah, time. Exactly, yeah. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. People get, people get very upset, and I can understand that exactly. So, you know, I, but basically, I, I, I just put that down to not... A dislike of the players, not a dislike of the manager, not a dislike of the way the club was going about doing things. Just that people wanted to do well a little bit too much. And I guess we've already mentioned it, but Joby was out at this point. Dayton's gone. Clay missed the Dover game at this point. Karami's been moved to the right wing to accommodate Alabi into the team. So there's lots of different changes having to be made in that first world injury. Big crisis. But just to add to what you were saying earlier about what Justin had said, he said, "Stop worrying about other teams being informed." We'd only lost three in twenty-seven games, and his exact words were, "Aren't we the informed team?" So great. Which was which was quite right. You're right. He was quite annoyed that the fan base had so quickly turned, and I think Matt, you hit the nail on the head. It was just out of pure nerves and that we were going to do an Orient basically, and 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 throw it away and end up sort of petering off into the distance. He is such a positive person, yeah. and he transformed the culture of the club, which wasn't easy. You know, that what had happened had happened. Uh, you know, under the, the previous regime, but prior to that, there was this uh, sort of tradition of the club not necessarily being winners. Mm. And Justin is a, a winner. winner. Yeah, he wants to win those games, and I think. He kept saying, we need to embrace the pressure. Mm. You need to enjoy being top of the table. And that, again, is following to the culture. Of no, it's, it's something, sometimes. if you've done that before, if you've been top of the table before, and obviously Justin has been promoted out of this division before, so he knew what it was like. He could probably retrace those steps in his mind with, from his time at Newport. Um, you know, but for everybody else, it was like, no, don't talk about it, just go and win the league, quickly, you know, and that, that couldn't, you know, that, that was so hard to get that across to, to, you know, to everybody, but fortunately, the one man who really mattered, Justin, and, and I guess, you know, the 25 people around him, including Danny and Ross and Keaton and everybody else, managed to stay calm enough to do it. At least outwardly. At least outwardly. At least outwardly. Yeah. So December came to an end. Um, and in a month which saw us play five, win two, draw one and lose two, we accumulated seven points, meaning that we'd finished 2018 in first place. We'd played 27 games so far, um, so more than halfway through the season at this point. We'd won 15 of those, drawn nine and only lost three. We'd accumulated 54 points come the end of December and we had a positive goal difference of 31. Again, it just blows my mind that we'd scored 
and not conceded that many goals. So um, the club, I, I, I nicked a stat from the club, a tweet that the, 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 yeah. the club put out in uh, 2018 in the league. Yeah, so in 2018 in the league, 23 wins, 15 draws and 8 defeats. So for any professional football club, that's a hell of a, Throughout the hell year, of a yeah, year. 15% amazing. win ratio, 71 goals scored, 31 goals conceded and 19 clean sheets. Yeah, 42 days we'd spent at top of the National League. It was a great year for Macaulay Bond as well, as he scored two, uh, 28 goals in 2018, and Dean Brill had featured in every single minute of every single game throughout 2018. For a guy that came to us as a coach, amazing. Yeah, great stats from the club. So before uh, we bring part one to an end, we're going to finish with a message from Leighton Orient CEO Danny Macklin on the season. So here's Danny Macklin's views on the season. Danny McLean here, Chief Executive of Lake Norian. Just want to thank every single person connected to the club. It's been a truly memorable season, one that's obviously ended in the title and one that we can treasure for many generations to come. It will be a moment that we can look back on with fondness, a season that we can look back on fondness, but in equal measure, a season for the 2019-20 season that we can look forward to with genuine excitement, anticipation and hopefully a bit of luck to make sure that we get back to where we truly belong, where we believe we belong in League One. It was a massive stepping stone to get out of the non-league uh, scene and we've done that in absolute style within the second season. We now build on that, take that momentum forward and with that momentum and the fantastic support we've had not just away from home but especially at the Brower Group Stadium with average crowds of nearly five and a half thousand we've got every single opportunity and chance with Justin, Martin and everyone connected in the playing side and the non-playing side to really move this club forward and back to where we do belong. I want to also thank absolutely everyone who's worked behind the scenes not just prior to the takeover but since the takeover as well in equal measure there's been a huge amount of work done and there's unsung heroes left right and centre I want to thank every single one of those I want to thank the supporters not just for attending the games but their support their enthusiasm their suggestions which 99.9% of the time are very well A received but B very welcomed and something that we can put into our future planning I now take a few days break um, prior to returning I have the EFL conference coming up uh, which will give us a, a flavour of what's to come forward potentially with some, some rule changes on and off the pitch but also allow us to, to network with other clubs, share some ideas and get back into the routine of uh, football back where we belong in the EFL. Enjoy your summer, make sure you get a break as well and uh, come back fighting fit for pre-season. It'll be a, a very uh, action-packed uh, pre-season that we've got and no doubt the players will be raring to go once they get back on that training ground and especially after they've had a much-deserved uh, few weeks break. So thank you once again. Up the O's. So that was Leighton Orient, CEO Danny Macklin and Danny have done some outstanding work behind this behind the scenes in terms of season ticket sales, in terms of sponsorship, new balance. I think by the time you got to the new year, the, the structure of the club was really working. We really haven't mentioned Martin Ling uh, so far in terms of the role of the director of football and Danny Macklin working so hard, uh, picking up on supporters' concerns, particularly around the catering, which wasn't easy, was it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, obviously, when you know when you're rebuilding pretty much the whole thing from scratch, as Danny had to do, you know, not everything's going to go smoothly. But full credit to him because anything that was, uh, you know, that wasn't progressing as he wanted to, he, you know, he dealt with it quickly, changed it, and things like the catering, and you know, we've got the proper ticketing system back, and all that sort of thing. Um, so as much as the turnaround on the pitch has been fantastic, the turnaround off the pitch, as, as Webby alluded, alluded to at the start of, the, of, of, of this piece, where 
for the team to work properly, there isn't a club in the country really where the, the team will function properly if everything around it is, is in chaos. You know, that's very, very rare for that to happen. So for everything to be so smooth, for players to know that everything else around it is being dealt with and they can they know that they're you know that they're at a club that's stable. Um, you know, full credit to Danny and his team. And for Martin as well, you know, we talked about the lack of, of transfer activity last summer and I think that's because the quality of recruitment back under Steve Davis when Martin brought in uh, you know, Fozzie as well involved in, in a lot of those transfers, not as many as he'll tell everyone, but still still a good number. But you know, look, in all in all seriousness, Martin and Steve rebuilt that squad in a very short period of time over the summer, and the vast majority of them are wearing National League medals around their necks, you know, because they were the right signings, not just for the National League, but also for League Two. I think what you say about the structure of the club and the board, it can't be emphasised enough. You only have to look at League Two, Notts County, term or relegated, mm-hmm. Norval term or relegated, Maxwell mm-hmm. don't get paid in a few months, nearly relegated. It's not a coincidence no. that these teams can actually get found out. Yeah. Players yeah. can only do so much before it affects them. Then, yeah. So for us now to have you know people like Matt, you know, in charge of the club, it's we can just concentrate on doing our jobs, which is lovely. And the enthusiasm and the knowledge of uh, Nigel Travis and Kenty mm. is, is incredible. I mean, <clears throat> Nigel is sort of on record of talking about a people's club, mm. and he really means it. He, he understands culture. Yeah, he's it? unbelievable, Nigel. I'm sure if he, if he stood in an election, he'd win it, because he's yeah, one of those people who just talks to people, he's, and he's so genuine, and yeah. he connects with people on so many different <clears throat> levels. He is so real as, a, as both a late Norwegian person and as a credible businessman, you know, that... He's, he, he and Kent are one of the reasons why we got to 4,000 season ticket holders because people saw them as, as, as trustworthy who, yeah. who could lead their club forward in a yeah. way that wouldn't leave them worried. And I've never met anybody with the energy of Kent Teague. He's just incredible. And his enthusiasm is so genuine. And he's so interested in every person he meets, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, you should have seen him at Wembley, you know, when we, we went around Box Park and we went up to the Green Man and, you know, it was just... The way he bounces off everybody, it's like he's been, you know, on the North Terrace from from the, the day when he was a young lad, you know. So that's no, great. It's really, uh, it's like really been enjoyable being really part good. of it, you know. So speaking of Kent Teague, Kent Teague will be joining us uh, in part two. As part one has now reached its natural conclusions. Thank you to Matt, to Dave, and Danny as we bring part one to a close. Make sure you download part two, which will be available uh, later this evening. But from part one, from us here at Orient Outlook Podcast Hours, up the O's.